Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show, we have Dan Rochin from the CPI community. Now, as you would know, cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. And if we break that down just a little bit further, we'll see that leads and sales are the fuel that drive any business and especially a real estate one. Without a constant predictable income, you'll end up living in a world where you're eating what it is that you kill and that type of business will stop as soon as you stop. What you need is some systems and today on the show, we're gonna learn about some of those systems. Let's get started. G'day everyone, I trust that you're well and you're working towards your goals and doing whatever it takes to break through and to succeed. Now, if this is your first time here at the Goal In Podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here and if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here on the Goal In Show. Thank you for your loyalty and thanks for spending your precious time with me here on the podcast today. Now, before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some go all in love right there in your pocket. Now, after a year or so of people asking me to create more content, I've decided to create the Go All In exclusive. These are exclusive members-only podcasts where my guests and I go much deeper into mastering the art and the science of going all in. This world-class content is the shortest path to your success. So come on over and join today. It's just $15 per month, and you'll have access to a wide variety of new Go All In podcasts and episodes and content. Pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash exclusive to find out more. Lastly, I wanted to ask if you could help me out today. In return, I'm going to give you a copy of my best-selling masterclass called Master Your Mind and Go All In. The masterclass is the culmination of 15 years of business experience coupled with 10 years in the military. This is by far my best work with nine video-based modules and more than four hours worth of training, and that's going to get you moving towards your goals and targets much faster than trying to do it on your own. The masterclass is worth $149, and you can get yours for free when you subscribe, share, and leave a review for the Go All In podcast. All you need to do is to pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out more. Okay, let's get into today's show. G'day, Dan. Welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. My pleasure. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty good. I'm excited about doing this show. I haven't done a sales-related podcast for ages. There was a time there where I was doing them just like back to back to back because people are like, give me more, give me more. And I've got a new show now actually called The Electrician's Co-op. And uh, those guys, the tradies there, are always asking about sales as well. They're always asking about objection handling and what to do, and um, you know, because they too want a CPI. They they want to know. Yeah. They want to know. They want a predictable income, baby. You know, they want to know what to do to uh, to get above the competition and what they need to do to to make some sales. So, before we get into any of that today, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you share a bit about your background? Where are you from, and and how did this all start for you, mate? Where am I from? I am a mutt. I have lived all over the world. <laughs> so um, I was born in New England and I currently live in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, DC. So I consider Northern Virginia my home. And I, I got into business uh, in 2007, which before that I was uh, working at a really high-end steakhouse in Washington, DC and um, as a waiter. Yep. And I had just recently gotten sober quit drinking a couple of years before that in 2005 and was sort of lost looking for my life. Knew what I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't see the way. And uh, one day we're scooping a bunch of butters and my friend Bill said, Hey Dan, you ever thought about real estate sales? And uh, I had it. Um, and so I did and I got my real estate license. And since then um, have had some struggles and have had some successes. So I'm grateful for each. I love it. I love it. And gosh, I've got to pull you up on that date there. In 2007, you got into real estate. 
That's like at the at the height of the thing when it's about to go boom, it explode, and you know, shortly after it did. Well, this is back when they actually had newspapers, and, and so when you when you open up the newspaper, it was a worst economic time ever, yeah. financial catastrophe, Gosh. real estate market hitting the bottom. And I was like, hey, you know what? That sounds like an opportunity. It, it really, Rob, it is because when you go against the grain, and when you're willing to do what it takes to be able to be you know to, to get it done, that and you go all in. You know, and you're willing to do that. That's where you the opportunity in, in life. In my, you know, experience, that's where the opportunity in life shows up. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good stuff. Tell me about. I, I know I was talking to um I was talking to my missus last night. We were kind of uh, laughing about when we first started thinking about business and when we first started to do it. And my, my partner, she's a photographer. Um, she was a chef by trade and she works for government as well. And But her, her passion is photography and art. And it wasn't until we kind of got together about 15 years ago that I said to her, well, why don't you do this for a business? Because she was working for a bunch of other people and she'd never really thought about that as well. And I was talking to her about when I first thought about business, and that was way back in the early 1990s when mobile phones first came out. And the mobile phone, or the telcos, they would build this infrastructure, and you had this transmitter in your hand, this fancy new phone, and that would be connected to a cell tower, and they would charge you, they would rent the time for you to be connected on that. Remember back in the day, you used to have to pay for your phone calls? for the time that you were connected. It was like, uh, and I remember that was the first time that I really thought, wow, what a good business model. They build the infrastructure once and then just rent it to millions of people across the world like that. And and that's when I, it started for me. What about you? you? You mentioned there that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. You wanted to yeah. do something. Can you remember your first thoughts around that? Mine were around the telco industry of all things and my missus is around photography. Have you got oh, some thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was 16 years old and I was taking my car to the car wash, you know, and they would, you know, run it through. And then all the guys with the towels would be out drying off the car. I would sit out while they're drying off the car and I would count how many cars would drive through estimate what I thought the rent was, how much I thought the electricity was, the utilities, the workers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would, I would make guesses based off of what I thought that the revenue was and what I thought their profit was. And I, I, when I was a kid, when I was, I think I was an eight year old, nine year old kid, I remember, and I thought this was a bad lesson now that I look back on it. uh, The principal, I got in trouble because I bought these 10 packs of gum and uh, you know, you can go and you get them for like, I don't know, 50 cents for the 10 pack. Yeah. And then you can sell them for a quarter each. Right. So that was a good markup. (laughs) I'll take it. Well, yeah, the public school didn't necessarily appreciate that for some reason or another. And, you know, I got in trouble today. That was my first business failure. Shut me down. That's that's really interesting that you you had that when you were 16 as well. And you were, you were analyzing and watching what's going on. Then, and you had the nows to actually do that at school. That's a cute little cute little story. Tell me, was real estate the first thing that you got into as a business? You went away and got your real estate license. Did you go and work for some people or did you just dive in and, and start off by yourself? I had, you know, I, Rob, I was lost for years, you know, so real estate was the first time I had probably 10 or 15 years of my life where I struggled to say, like, I know that what I'm destined to do, I know that I'm destined to be an entrepreneur or business owner. I just didn't know the way. Right. And so, when I got my license in 2007, it took me, the first six months was rough. And I remember going to my broker is about six months after I got my license and I tell her, I said, you know, I hadn't had any closings at all. I told her, I said, I remember having that conversation. I cared, I don't know what to do. And she just, I remember she, she looked at me deadpan. She said, Dan, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. I'm like, keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm about to pay my mortgage on my credit card. What are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, And so I did, because what I was doing was, she gave me some advice about falling systems, about simplifying and about just being focused. Well, 12 months after that conversation, in that that 12 months following, I had a lot of success, a lot of business success. So much that I was able to purchase the brokerage that I worked for after being licensed as a real estate agent for 18 months. And I owned that brokerage for the next 10 years and sold it about a little bit more than two years ago. And when I sold the brokers about two years ago, I had to like a sort of rediscover, okay, you know, what's next? Yeah. And I, I looked at, um, you know, I looked up to some of my mentors, my coaches, and I, you know, we, we masterminded and 
that's where, um, you know, one of my coaches says, Dan, you have an immense amount of knowledge in business and sales and persuasion, and you should document this. And I thought I was documented a series of, of eBooks. And then I, I found out about three months into that, that I was actually writing a real book. And that's how I, uh, that's how I started to write real estate evolution, um, which is the, uh, the, the book that I wrote uh, about a year and a half ago, we were published it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, hold that thought because I want to. Uh, I want to talk about that in in a little bit more depth and and some more detail. Uh, just in this getting to know you part of, of the show, there I've got to ask: How has COVID affected your business and where it is in your part of the world? Because I see the news, and whenever I turn the news on, it's henny penny. The sky is falling. Every country in the world is collapsing around us. But I look out the front here, and I see. The Australian economy doing pretty well. Not much is different here. It's like wear a mask here and there, but whatever, you know, like what's it like in reality there on the ground in the U.S.? For my business personally, we have not been impacted negatively. That's good news. I remember in March, I remember I, um, I, I you know, the first time I realized that there was a challenge was when the, the NBA called their games, like in the middle of the games, they were like, okay, we're going home. We're taking our ball and we're going home. <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh, this is for real. Yeah. And um, I remember I, I got my team together and, you know, I think that I talked about COVID maybe twice in the last 10 months with my team. Oh my gosh. And it was right at the beginning and we went through and we cut every single dollar that was not making us any money. And so we really, we prepared for the worst. We cut, we cut expenses. Uh, critically. And, you know, I, I shared with my team, I said, okay, guys, it's time. We, we have a choice here. We don't know what the future is going to bring. Mm. And we're going to have to double down or triple down or 10 times down. And we're going to have to be safe. And we're going to have to pay attention to what the rules are. And still, even in the face of, you know, challenges, we're going to have to thrive. And, uh, and we did. And I'm, I'm grateful for that uh, because I, I candidly, I didn't pay attention to the news that was saying doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, I I didn't pay attention to it. You know, it goes back to when I started real estate sales in 2007. To me, the biggest opportunity is when you have to work harder. The biggest opportunity is when everyone's going, you know, boo-hoo me. And you're saying, okay, well, what do I need to do to make this work? And that's where I think that the, um, the opportunities lie. Yeah, it's good stuff and that's great to hear. What about just from a, a day-to-day community perspective? Is life pretty normal where you are? Well, I would say no uh, because, you know, it's all virtual. Yeah. Um, it, my my Myself, I, we, we were already in virtual world before this started, so my business didn't have to transition too much. Yet, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you from my basement as we speak and I haven't been to the fiscal office very often, you know, during the time period. I only go out when I meet clients. Mm-hmm. And other, other than that, it's, it's completely virtual. Um, the, the, the streets are getting back to normal a little bit. You know, the, for, for the majority of the time, it was, you know, there was some t- a couple of months there where you'd go to a shopping center and it was a ghost town. Yeah. It was scary. You know, so a lot of people have gone out of business. A lot, a lot of retail shops have gone out of business a lot of businesses that were not able to adapt, mm. right? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like the, the big battleships and you want to turn it 180 on that. It's hard to do. Mm. It's hard to do for some businesses. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, you see a lot of retail stores that have, have gone up, you know, and that's a, as a, that's the, in addition to the technology, the big data, the artificial intelligence, the commoditization, all of that. And then you, you know, that was going to happen anyways, I believe, over the next coming years. It was just that it just amplified everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, Amazon blows up. It was already blowing up. It was already going that direction. Mm. All of a sudden, Peloton blows up, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know if that would have happened if this, if, you know, the, the pandemic, you know, would have occurred, um, you know, but but some businesses have thrived and, and some have uh, really, really struggled. Yeah, it's interesting as I talk to people from around the world, the folks in Europe are having a really hard time, especially some mates in the UK uh, in a really like strict lockdown. But you guys in the US ha- seem to be doing it relatively similar to us here in Australia, which is really good. One thing that different I do- results though. Yeah, different results. Yeah, yeah, different results, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. One thing I do know about this damn pandemic and uh, you know we can't be on a podcast without talking about that is I've just had just about had enough of politicians and politics and these people that are so-called leaders running 
run in the country and stuff like that. But yesterday, the uh, uh, the inauguration happened. How, I don't normally ask a political question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing for the U.S.? I It's a perspective. I think it's a good thing, uh, regardless of your political views. And I'll, I'll share candidly with you my political views historically have leaned to the right and you know you're you, but you, we've just been a we've just been a mess Had enough. okay you know it's just having somebody yeah just having somebody in charge that you can say okay like even if i disagree on policy yeah even if i disagree on 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 you know on, on certain things being morally fit to me outweighs you know everything else will take care of itself and you know so I'm, I'm sure I annoyed somebody by sharing that, yet uh, that's just, you, know, you asked me my perspective, so I'll share that with you. Yeah, that's good stuff. You know, I, I look at the political leaders we have here in Australia, and I think they're really weak. Um, and they're, they're weak from a leadership perspective because they have a certain style where they try and please everybody. And if, they don't, if people don't like it, it's just like bad luck, like it or lump it. And I just think yeah. that that type of style and leadership in these difficult economic times is not the right message to be sending um, to communities. And the, the problem is that the media picks up on all the negativity of it, even though the message is not designed to be negative. It's designed to be, hey, we're here to help you. We're trying to do the right thing. Um, please do what we say. The media pick it up and spin it into something else. So, yeah, I like your idea of not really paying much attention to the news and uh, living that by itself. All right, let's... Uh, you know, when we, I, I, real quick, Rob, before you move on. I'm 12 miles from where the um, uh, where the uh, on, on January 6th, where the the Capitol building was stormed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that happened until 6 p.m. in the day. <laughs> Life is pretty normal, because, right? <laughs> because I well, I know I was doing my job. Yeah, you're busy. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. I was focused on doing the things that are going to feed my family. Yeah. And then at six o'clock, I walked upstairs. I did my commute from the downstairs to the upstairs. <laughs> I got upstairs and I turned the television on. I'm like, oh my goodness. What the hell? You know, and it was, yeah, right. It's like, how, like, what's, you know, so it really is like, I, I, I think that now that's a, that's something that was, you know, legit, but, but outside of that, there's a lot of just noise. Yeah. You know, and I think listening to that noise is not healthy at all. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Just focus on what it is that matters to you and uh, everything else that's going on around the world. It, it might kind of enrage you and upset you and make you cranky, but the reality is it, it doesn't really affect you. All right, we'll be right back after this short break. Hey there, Rob Russ here, and thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like what you're listening to here on the podcast, then I'd like to invite you to join my guests and I for some exclusive members-only episodes of the Go All In podcast. In these exclusive episodes, we go much deeper into the topics, and in the process, we uncover the fastest way for you to close the gap from where you are and get you to where you want to be. And we do this by helping you to master the art and the science of going all in. When you join, you'll also have access to the Ask Me Anything episodes and have the opportunity to be featured and to share your story on the Go All In podcast as well. Join today for just $15 per month to gain exclusive access to this world-class content produced just for you. Visit goallin.com.au and click on the tab that says exclusive content. I'll see you on the inside. Well, Dan, people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, mate, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? It would be when I bought the brokerage. You know, in my first, you know, business, um, well, outside of outside of my family. So let me let me go back. Going all in was, was marrying my, my wife and, and adopting our daughter. That was going all in. Okay, that's all in. Um, and that's, um, you know, certainly a priority of my life because everything else that I do serves that in, in my health and my, my faith. And so you have to, to my, you have to have the, the priorities, right. And so in business, it was, uh, I, I remember that, you know, the first, uh, check that I stroked was, uh, I became a 20% owner 
and it was a significant amount of money. Mm. And I had to uh, come to the uh, to the attorney's office with a cashier's check or a money order. It was liquid, whatever it was. I slept with it underneath my pillow. Right, I because I, I went to the bank. They 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 stroked it out for me. I, I literally I didn't know what to do with it. It was like this check that was a very very significant amount of money, particularly when you're considering that 12 months previously I was not no I didn't even know how I was going to pay my mortgage. Yeah. But here's what I learned from that. I learned that when I uh, you know this is a big business. It was a big business that I was investing into. At the time, I think I was like a 20 percent owner, and then. Uh, at the end, I, I think I was like almost like 67% of ownership and controlling partner or something like that. But that first move all in, I remember just being terrified. <laughs> what were you scared of? You know, I, it was just uh, something that was just like, I, I didn't know what was next. You know, I, I had faith in myself. Yeah. I, I, you know, but you know, it's just like, it's like you're diving off of a diving board and you're, you're not, you don't know what's below you. You have faith that there's going to be a pool of water there. Mm. Okay. You have faith that when you, when you, when you land, you're going to, you're going to figure out how to swim. Yeah. But you don't know, right? You just don't know, you know, and I'm going to tell you what drove me in looking back in retrospect, I probably wouldn't have, have, have purchased that business at that time. Oh, and I know what drove me. It was an emotional desire that drove me, which was, greed and fear. And so because I was having a lot of success just as a real estate agent, and now I'm going to buy the brokerage that I work in uh, because of that success. And I felt at the time that I would not have that opportunity again. I saw, I, I felt like here's this great opportunity. If I don't do this, I won't have it again. Yeah. What I learned was that was immature business decision-making process on my part. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I made some mistakes in the purchase and, um, and, and what I learned going backwards with the backwards, I said, you know what, if you just go all in and if you just, you know, take the very best shots and you have success, opportunity will show itself up time and time and time and time again. And so, you know, so in retrospect, I would have been more cautious about the timing. I would have been more cautious about, the, the way that the deal was organized and, and things like that. Did it come back to bite you? Is that why you say that? There were things that came back to bite me. Yes. Yes. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, one of the biggest things was I, I didn't have the foresight or the uh, experience to, to, to understand that, uh, you know, financial audit of a business is a, is a good thing. Mm. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to purchase a business, you need to make sure that you get a, uh, you, you hire the right people to go through and, audit it and um, not taking on any liabilities with the previous owners is a good thing. And making sure you get in a business partnership with the right people is an even more important thing than every, anything else, because all the rest of that stuff, all the rest of those mistakes, I, I work my way through that. What is hard to work your way through is when you're in the wrong relationship. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and, and I was in that position uh, early on until I was able to, to, you know, to buy them out and that type of thing. Yeah, that's a, it's a great story and it's a really solid reminder as well that uh, it's not just about a business, it's about people as well, especially if you're buying into something. Dan, what would you say if uh, somebody's listening to this and they're on the cusp of a new relationship? I've, I've started a few new relationships uh, this year. One of them is going exceptionally well because we put a really solid foundation in place. And by that, I mean, we must have had about a dozen meetings before we decided to commit. We kind of had these ideas and we just riffed on these ideas before they materialized into anything. And before we move forward, uh, the person I was doing it with or I am doing it with, he's quite formal in business. And I, I just sort of thought, well, I need to level up my levels of formality. And I wrote like a, a detailed MOU. And I said, this is going to be the guiding document for us. And, you know, at some point, we're going to get into an argument. We're going to get into it. It's two Aussie guys, two alpha males. We're going to argue about something. And whatever that argument is about is fine. To stop it, what we can do is to, to use this document to say, hey, this is what we agreed to. This is where we're going. And really what we'll be arguing about is probably petty things that can be solved by a simple document like that. So we've headed it all off at the pass. And I think for him, what it's done is it's given him a level of reassurance that he's never had in a business relationship before. And for me as well, 
I'm sort of, I take people at their word, you know, if people say they're going to do stuff, I, I assume they'll do it because that's what I do. But that's, that's got me in a lot of trouble in the past as well. What would you say is is something that somebody could do other than what I'm talking about? Is there something else? How do you know if you're in the right relationship with the right people? That's a really hard thing. First, I agree wholeheartedly with what you just said, because it's, 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 you want to expect the best and prepare for the, you want to expect the best and set yourself up for the best, yet prepare for the worst. Mm. You want to go into that, that, um, uh, that marriage with a, uh, was a, uh, the, uh, a prenup. The, the, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You want, and you want to know, you want to know what's going to cause the, the, the marriage to not work. And you're going to want to know exactly what happens when that occurs. Yeah. Now that being said, it's near, it's impossible to be able to, uh, to plan for each and every contingency. So that gets back into really truly knowing the people that you get in the relationship with. Yeah. And knowing what are their values, knowing what they do specifically when things go wrong, knowing what are you going to do and what am I going to do? And you go back to that document, having that spelled out. Mm. And, and you should have strengths that complement each other, not necessarily strengths that sit on top of each other. You could have overlap and, you, and any entrepreneurs are going to have overlap yet. Uh, you know, for me, I'm a lot like you, Rob, where I'm like, hey, shake my hand and, tell, and look me in the eye and tell me you're going to do it. Hey, we're good. Mm. Yet, you know, I've learned that that's not a good way to do it. So when you're in business with somebody that's formal, like you, you described it, you just did, you know, you just going to highlight it because I bet that that formal business partner is going to pay attention to a lot of things that you're just more intuitive mm. and, um, and, and trusting. Not to say that he's not trusting. It's just to say that he's more formal to be, you know, to make sure to say, okay, uh, there's a certain way to do things. And then that's where that overlap or the, uh, the complementary exp- uh, uh, qualities will be able to support you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good reminder of uh, all the different aspects that go into it. One of the questions that I asked right on the front end was, uh, what is it that's caused you problems? You know, as the podcaster, I can ask these really clever questions on the fly, right? Because I can think on my feet and I, I can outmaneuver the, the new business partners. But I thought of a really good, clever question, and I want people to listen into this one, it, it is this. If you're thinking about getting into a relationship with somebody, whether that's a romantic one or a uh, or a business related one, I, th- I think the the theory is the same. The question that I asked was, what were the things that went wrong for you in the past that caused conflict? And he had said to me that when I'd done it with one other person, so I'd been in in like a partnership, so to speak, with two people in business, the thing that had caused the most grief was. I'm working harder than you and you're doing nothing and I'm busting my chops over here and and you're getting paid the same as me. And I was like, oh, well, at some point you're going to work 10 times harder than me and at some point I'm going to be putting my feet up, drinking cups of coffee and maybe cans of beer as well. And, you know, the, the reverse is true, but all things being equal, we'll come together, meet at the merge and everything will be okay. That all kind of shakes out, you know, it all comes in swings and roundabouts, so it's all right in that particular sense. And he was like, so you're not going to get upset if you have to do more work than me? And I'm like, man, I, no one ever drowned in their own sweat. And I'll outwork anybody that comes in front of me and not complain because I just don't complain about working hard and I don't complain about moving towards a goal. And, you know, it, he was really, I think, a bit taken aback by that. And the other really um, important question that I kind of wanted to raise here when you are talking about partnerships as well was the underlying values. And you mentioned values. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing that you can get to pretty quickly when you ask people, you know, so what is the reason that you're doing this and why do you want to do that? And he said to me, um, because he just wants to make his industry better. And, and he asked me the same question and I said, because I'm a capitalist and I want to make as much money as possible. <laughs> but if you want to make the industry better, that compliments me, man. And if we do that, I'm going to make money, you're going to make money, it'll work for everybody like that as well. So I think some of some critical questions and some well thought out questions like that on the front end can go a long way to, to preventing any problems before they arise, right? Yeah, and I think that there's a shortcut to this as well. Um, because something that I've learned more in hiring leaders to run my businesses in the past has been every single time that I made a hiring mistake, I, I would look back and reflect, particularly in leadership, you know, when I would hire somebody, because that's a critical, critical hire. And I would look back and say, what was my DNA in this relationship? Mm. What 
what could I have done differently to not have gotten into this relationship? And every single time it goes back to me getting lazy, getting into the relationship. Yeah. Because the things that showed up could have easily been identified, not from the questions, from the questions that I'm asking their friends. Mm. What does Rob do? Like, hey, you went to you went to school with Rob? Yeah. Well, you know, what, what do you do? He played football. What, what do you do when he lost? Mm, yeah. How was he? he, he, he yeah, he went and smashed all the cars. Okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> not, not so interesting, right? So it's it, you have to talk to the people that know the person. Is really, really, I think that's the key to success of relationship, and go three D. You know, the per like if I say, hey, Rob, who should I, you know, talk to that knows you? Whoever you, you give me, you're not going to give me somebody that's going to say, yeah, the guy's a scumbag, right? You know, <laughs> so you you talk, you listen, and they say, oh, who else knows Rob? And yeah. then you start digging. Look at his social media. You know, you really, that's, I think, where the key to understanding who somebody is and, and how they operate um, is really is, 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 is doing that is digging, you know, to the uh, the people that know them. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, it reminds me of uh, something as you were saying that, and and the way you can kind of sum that up in one word is by calling that a pre mortem. And a, a mate of mine's an airline pilot. He used to fly across the across the um, the pond here from Australia to the US. You know that was the route that he was on when he when he was working for Qantas. And um, he, he said, you know, at any, I was like, isn't that boring, man? You're sitting, you know, looking at instruments the whole time in an old seven four seven. And he's sort of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's the job, right? And he, one of the things that he talked about a lot was the pre mortem. And you're constantly doing that as an aviator, meaning if the engine quits right here and we're at 39,000 feet, how far away are we from an alternate? Okay, we've got three engines, we're fine, we've got plenty of fuel, we've got plenty of altitude, we're good. But what happens if two engines quit and we're a little bit lower? Or what? Ha and they're constantly going through that process of alternates and where they are and how they're doing that sort of stuff. And it's a pretty, I guess it's a pretty morbid way of describing it as a pre-mortem because you're used to doing a post-mortem, right? And that's kind of what we're doing here a little bit is we're analyzing the mistakes that we've made in business and, and sharing that with the audience so they don't make the same mistakes. But the pre-mortem is something really good. It's, it's better to anticipate something than to react to it. And I think that that's a, a great lesson to learn. I agree completely. It's about, it's about understanding it's, I think the marriage analogy is the best. Yeah. Because when you are with your sweetheart on the first day, you're showing up with flowers and you're opening up the door. Now, 10 years into a marriage, I'm about 15 years into my marriage. Now, <laughs> I love my wife to death. Uh, I'm a, it's a different relationship today than our first day. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. And what you want to know, and when you're talking about business relationships, is who's this person going to be 10 years down the road when the dishwashers, uh, you know, the dishes are flowing over in the sink and, you know, what's going to happen then? Yeah, make sure they don't lose their mind in the process of it. That's good advice. Well, Dan, that's uh, all good stuff. And thank you so much for sharing that story. Some important reminders there and uh, some important lessons and points come out of that little conversation that we're having now. I want to move on from that and ask you specifically about your business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the CPI community and why you created that? And I, lo I, I love, love, love the word community. I think that's such an important thing that we we miss the mark on that so much these days. Everyone talks it, but I can see you actually walking it. So tell us a little bit about it. So CPI is consistent and predictable income. And as I, you know, um, got experience in business, I've often I've had a lot of people ask for me to coach them. And you know, I always said no, frankly, because I didn't have the time. Yeah. And uh, after I sold the, the the big business, the brokerage, and and had that you know that relaunch, that was one of the things that was really important to me. It was about taking a look at salespeople specifically. What's their biggest fear in sales? And what I knew is is that biggest fear that they have is they'll make a big sale and then nothing the next month and nothing the next month, and they'll have that that roller coaster of sales that really is frightening. And so what I know that most salespeople are looking for is that consistent and predictable income. 
And that's when we created the community, the coaching programs and mentorship programs and, um, and wrote the book and, and uh, you know, put all that together for, uh, for salespeople specifically. Let's talk some specifics of it. Is it, is it meant only for real estate people in real estate or does it work for anybody in business that wants to learn more about sales? Uh, it, it's anybody in business that want to work about sales. Majority of the people in there are salespeople or real estate salespeople rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet the, the reality of it is, is that the things that a real estate salesperson experiences on a fundamental uh, you know, uh, level are hard. It is a hard business. Mm. And I'm not suggesting, I, I, I'm not going to compare myself to another person's business yet. When I, when I look at other business opportunities and I look at what, what you have to do as a real estate sales professional to be able to generate the business, to be able to deal with in a, the most emotional journey of someone's lifetime yeah. and understand how to be able to accommodate, to actively listen to their, to who they, to their concerns and who they are and, and what's really important to them and guide them in the face of that. Really to be successful in real estate sales the, 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 what it takes to do that is the same that's going to take for any other sales profession. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's about understanding the techniques of how do you persuade? Uh, but before you persuade, how do you actively listen? And before you actively listen, how do you ask adept questions? And before you ask adept questions, how do you be in rapport? Mm. Right? So it, it boils down to if I'm going to be in rapport with you first, which means I have to care for you, at least at a level to be able to, to, to be energetically connected with you. Yeah. And now that I'm in rapport with you, now I'm going to ask those in-depth questions and I'm going to, I'm going to dive deep on the questions. Tell me more about that. What's important to you about that? When that, when you, when that happens, what will, what will you achieve? And then I'm going to actively listen to you because when I get to the root cause of really, truly, you're a single dad and you want to buy a home because you just got divorced and you have a 12 year old daughter and, uh, and you want to make sure that you're near her, you know, we're near her school so that you're not a, you know, a bad dad. Right. Now you get, you get the fact that it's no longer a two bedroom, one bathroom condo that the guys are coming to you for. It's ultimately about him being worthy of being a human being of being a good dad. Yeah. Now, do we get that deep with every single sale? No. Yet, we are open to get that deep with every single sale because the more that you know about your client and about their deep needs and their motivations, then the better that you can serve them. Yeah. And such, so that's the foundation for, for all sales, in my opinion. Such a such an unbelievably important topic and the fundamentals of the sales like that you're describing for some reason are just missed in the modern world because for some reason, people think that their other people's attention span is really short, and it is, but it doesn't. It's not at the expense of you building connection, not expe- not at the expense of you building a relationship with somebody either, and deeply caring about what it is that you can do for them. And I think that's such an Im- important reminder that you're you're highlighting there. I've been lucky to be, I guess, on the on the other side of the sales process in my digital uh, digital marketing agency for like fifteen years, and work with so many different businesses. And inevitably, these people would come to you uh, with a problem, and their problem is always like, "Oh, my AdWords campaign is not converting, or my social media marketing campaign is not working, or my content strategy is not working. Something's not working." And you're kind of like a mechanic, and they come to you with something broken, and you look at it, and often it's like, it's "Not broken." Uh, user error, <laughs> <laughs> operator error, right? You, you, you can't, your AdWords campaign, yeah, it's all right. Could it be better? It can always be better. I could always be better. Everything can always be better. The reality is what you're not doing is you're not converting. And the reason you're not converting is because you don't have a proper process. So all the marketing and advertising spend on the front end is just not going to help you because if I give you another 30 leads per week, I'm going to... I'm going to 30x the problem that you've already got because you can't even deal with the 10 that you've got. You've got 10 solid leads coming in. Let's close out six of those. Let's get your close rate up, you know, above 50%. Let's get it to 60%. Let's work on that first. And people are, people would often uh, be very defensive around something like that because they expect you to work miracles in that you're generating more leads and that's going to translate into more sales. But all you're going to do is amplify the sales problem that they've got because they've got a conversion problem, not necessarily a lead gen problem. 
Yeah, you're describing a system problem. Mm. One of the things that, that, I, that I see in like top performing real estate agents that do, they, so if you look at a, at a business, the, any business, it's about lead generation first. So for me, for example, I'm in the lead generation business specializing in real estate sales. And you can, you can break that down into prospecting and marketing. Mm. And prospecting costs you time, marketing costs you money. They both have a cost. If you have no money, you're starting a business, guess what? You're gonna go hoof, go hoof it, right? You're gonna be prospecting. As your business develops, then you have money to invest into marketing like paid uh, click ads. Now you're gonna be marketing. Built on top of that is gonna be organization building. So now it's about getting in a relationship with the right people. And then built on top of that is leadership. And that leadership is, you know, is if you look at that, the, the, the lead generation will make you money. The organization building will make you a ton of money and the leadership will make you infinite money yeah. as, as, as much as you, you, you could want. Going back to what you were just describing, it was a lead conversion problem, which stays in that bottom bucket that I just described, which is a system as well. So it's just, if you are generating leads and you're not converting them, then you, what's the problem to fix? Mm. The problem to fix is one of three things. Either I'm not generating the right leads, I'm not saying the right things to those leads, or it could be I'm not generating enough leads, which would, you know, which would be the third piece of that in the conversion process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that uh, I always, when I talk to somebody who's an expert in sales and they've been successful in business and stuff, and one of the things that always always comes out is the differentiating factor and it's really hard for consumers these days in a commoditized market and every single market that you can think of is commoditized and to consumers real estate agents look the same the guy on the left looks the same as the woman in the middle is the same as the dude on the on the right of her and the same as the other young kid on the other side of both of them it's sort of like i'm, I'm in the middle here i want to sell my house or i want to buy a house or i want to do something and i'm like Ah, they all look the same to me. But what I do know about the type of training and the type of execution and delivery that you have is that that goes to the very heart of differentiating yourself from the white noise because you can come out from behind the brand that you work for or the business that you work for and build a deeper personal relationship. And you can that's how you build that predictable source of income, right? Yes, and I wanna, so for the listeners, Rob just uh, used the term commoditization and to define that, commoditization is that in the absence of a perceived value, yeah, the, consumer, yeah. the consumer will go to the lowest price vendor 100% of the time. Mm. So the key to that right there is the, the phrase perceived value. Because you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, your job is to make certain that you're able to first have an extraordinary value and secondly, communicate in a way that others can understand and believe in. Hmm. And so that's the, that's the thing there to combat uh, commoditization, that plus relationship. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm, I'm reading a new uh, or listening to a new audio book that just came out a couple of days ago by a fellow named Donald Miller. You might know him. He's the guy who wrote Story Brand, My Story yeah. Brand. Um, and it's yep. called Business Made Simple. And what he describes in there is it's like 60 days. So you take each each day and what you do is you become a value-based professional. And he uses an analogy right at the very start of the, uh, the audio book where everybody's walking around with a number above their head. And like it or not, if you're listening to this and you're an employee or a business owner, you have a perceived value on an open market. So people with a higher perceived value have more knowledge, they have more skills, they have more intellectual property that they can bring to bear. And the idea of the book in Business Made Simple is to increase that value so you become a value-based professional. And somebody that understands sales and marketing and can actually execute and do those things and bring in cash flow are the, the most highly rewarded people in business. Salespeople are the, are the highest paid and highest income earners of all the professions that are out there that's not on an executive board for some major company, right? So if you need to if you need to earn more money or you want more things out of life that you have to buy, you need to become a, a 
more, you need to become more valuable in the market that you're working in. And there's a bunch of ways that you can do that. You can listen to a simple audio book for 20 bucks. You can take a course with Dan. You can listen to a thousand podcasts or go to the University of YouTube. There's a thousand things that you could do, right? But the point is, in order for you not to be that commoditized thing in your market where people and consumers go for the cheapest possible price, you need to become more valuable. For me personally, I don't, I don't necessarily make decisions on price. I'm doing pretty well in my life. But when it comes to things, if I'm going to work with somebody who's going to supply a service to me, it's rarely about the price. It's always about the execution and the speed to actually get that done and the trust, the level of trust to get it done and the honesty as well. You know, there's some, it's got nothing to do with price. It's always about, it's about that. It goes back to, it's always about value though. Mm. It's about, here's the thing. Are you willing to pay a thousand dollars for a phone? Sure. If it seems like it's valuable to me. Yeah. Okay. Listen to what I just said. A thousand dollars for a phone. What the hell? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if it's about money, uh, an ordinary person would not pay a thousand dollars for a phone. Mm. Okay. But when the value is perceived, when the value is there, the money goes away. So what Rob is, what you're sharing with, with us is that it's really about the money as long as the, the value's there. And I'll pay more money for a higher value as long as the value's there. Yeah, happy to. Yeah, but what doesn't work is if you pay more money, you don't get the value. That's where it gets broken. Mm. So tell me, Dan, tell me about a uh, maybe one or two people that come to mind for you, uh, some folks that have come to you not doing so well in sales. They go through your course. They have you as their mentor. Tell us about a success story or two that you've got. I had a gentleman call in. You asked me earlier about uh, the pandemic. And Colin came to me in March of 2020. And when he came to me, he had no listings at all. And he, um, he was scared. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? He's, he's got a, a family, wife, child, and, you know, so a lot of personal things going on, you know, that it, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to get into here yet. Yet it was uh, at the time he didn't necessarily know the way. And so I met with Colin. He, he took it. We have a curriculum called the, uh, the consistent and predictable income curriculum. And the entry uh, course on that is the uh, CPI certification. So he signed up for the CPI certification. And the first step that we did was we sat down and we analyzed his business. We analyzed his real estate sales business because that's a big challenge that real estate sales agents in the United States have is they don't treat what they do as a business. Mm. And so we sat down and we looked and we did exactly what you and I are talking on this podcast right now is we looked for where is it that's, that, that the opportunity is? Where does this system break? And we found that there was things that he was doing very well, yet there was small little tweaks that we were able to make to sit there and say, let's put you in your strength zone. God gave all of us talent. Let's figure out what that talent is and now let's amplify it. Let's put it on steroids. Nice. Fast forward, he gave me a call about six weeks ago. This maybe, yeah, about six weeks ago. And he shared with me that he had taken 17 listings. And that time, remember, a short nine months before that, he had zero. Mm. And that's not to include the buyers that he put under contract as well. Nice. Right? And it was just about understanding and taking a look at the inefficiencies taking a look at what are those small tweaks that we can do to amplify and to get a profound result. What's the easiest thing, what's the simplest thing that when we do it, it's gonna have, it's gonna make everything else either easier or unnecessary. Now let's take a look at that one thing and now let's let's hammer down on that first and then you look for the next problem and you just go down the line like that. Yeah, I love it. It's that analogy of uh, little hinges move big doors, isn't it? And it's, uh, it is, it's a corny, cheesy sort of metaphor, absolutely. But I like it because it's true. 
um, you know, try and try and lift the door off there by yourself. It's heavy as hell. It'd take two people to do that. But those little hinges there, you can hold in your hand, and you know, they're, they're tiny. But just the leverage that you get when you focus and you focus your attention on the right things like that is incredible. I can tell as you're talking about it, Dan, that's something you're deeply passionate about. Now you no longer have the brokerage, and you've kind of waded your way and meandered your way into this coaching and training and teaching thing. Tell us about that. How how does that feel for you when clients have success stories like that? It must be enormously fulfilling you shared with us earlier rob that the um you shared with us about you know us, us having a conversation and for others to learn from you know your mistakes my mistakes people have gone before us success leaves clues and so does failure so if you were asked me dan what's a superpower that you have it would be that what i do is i study successful people I study successful models. I study those successful clues. And then I emulate it as closely as possible. Yeah. And so for me, having the relationship with those people that I'm coaching is so rewarding because I can save them from making those same mistakes that I've made. I can shortcut their success based off of my own, um, I don't want to say failures because I don't believe in fails. I believe in learning opportunities. So based off of my own learning opportunities and also based off of those in front of me that I have intentionally, intensely studied. Because what's predictable, if you want to predict the future, look at the past. Mm. And, And if you want to sit there and say, how does somebody be successful in business? It's relatively simple. Find people that have gone before you that have success. Do what they've done. The only thing that you have to do differently is, is, is do small tweaks and adaptations to the environment. So technology that we already talked about, commoditization that we already talked about, things that are new to our marketplace today that did not, did not exist years ago or not, to the same, not in the same manner as they do today. Now we just have to sort of pivot to accommodate those differences in what's new to the marketplace. Yeah, it's uh, great stuff, mate, and a, a really great reminder. And I'm so happy that you found something that gives you that fulfillment. It's awesome. Well, as we close out the podcast here, tell us again a little bit more about your book. What's the title of the book? Where can people get it? And and what's in it? Give us a little, give us the preface. Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI, consistent and predictable income. It is a step-by-step guide to doing business for new business owners the right way, for seasoned business owners that are experiencing the peaks and valleys of business to be able to get off the roller coaster, and for top producers to be able to that, that might be frustrated with, uh, you know, with the life that they're creating to be able to actually enjoy the, the life that they deserve, that they've created instead of working 18 hours a day, yeah. instead of working seven days a week, unless if that's what, you know, what they enjoy. And it is a lot about my own personal journey as well as the specific tactics and techniques of both psychology of, of the sale, the neuro-linguistic programming of the way that, uh, the way that we uh, can influence others positively mm-hmm. for their own good. And then the tactical things of business to allow for you to have a profit. And then I end the book with talking about the evolution. And the evolution is, is about some of the things that I've already shared here on this podcast, which are the artificial intelligence, big data, technology, and commoditization. Yeah, good stuff. And if people want to get a copy, what's the best way to do that? Amazon. Look up Dan Roshan, R-O-C-H-O-N, or Real Estate Evolution. Too easy. And if you want to get a, uh, if you want to get a, uh, uh, a copy, uh, that's the easiest way to do it. Okay, excellent. And ladies and gentlemen, just take a little peek at the show notes and the links to that Amazon uh, store. The book 
in Amazon is going to be right there. So you won't have to go digging around for it in Google. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, because I know when I, whenever I hear somebody on a podcast, because I am a prolific listener of shows and a prolific uh, listener of books as well, I always want more and you've got more. So tell us about that. It's just a predictable income community podcast. And you can get that on whatever you like to listen. Beautiful. Spotify or iTunes. And what I do in that podcast is I, just like what I said, my superpower is to dissect performance, to, to take what are the small tweaks that the world-class people, entrepreneurs, salespeople, real estate salespeople as well, what are they doing that has allowed for them to have the success that they have had. And we do deep dives on what did they learn in business? What were their mistakes? What would they do differently? And how can you, the listener, avoid those same mistakes and better yet, enjoy the same successes that they've had and do so as on a shortcut? Yeah, awesome. That sounds like a great show and I'm definitely going to be heading over and subscribing and listening into that as well because your IP sounds awesome, man. And, and I, there's nothing I like more than uh, a case study and nothing I like more than unpicking somebody else's success as well. So I can kind of celebrate that in the process because I love watching people be successful, but I also like learning about that stuff as well. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, the links are right there in the show notes. Dan, if people wanted to connect with you, mate, what's the best way? Is it LinkedIn, your website, if you've got a preferred social media? Yeah, you can find me pretty much anywhere online. But if you, when you visit www.danroshan.com, R-O-C-H-O-N, danroshan.com, I have some, uh, some special offers on there as well, some, uh, some hacks and tricks to uh, persuasion and how you can get somebody to a sale in 30 seconds or less. That's like the ultimate like headline, isn't it? Some hacks and tricks to persuasion. Go put your email in here. <laughs> I love it's like an irony. It's an irony of website conversions and stuff. I love that. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, make sure you go and visit Dan's website. Click the link in the show notes right now and go and get your freebies over there and make sure you reach out and connect with him. Mate, thanks again for coming on the Go All In podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure here to host you for an hour. There was just value bomb after value bomb today, and it was a, a whole lot of fun. I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting comment, the final piece of wisdom from Dan today what have you got believe in yourself take a look at what you want to do why do you want to do it and get crystal clear on why you want to do it because when you know why you want to do it the how will always show up and once you determine that go all in oh yeah baby i love it thanks again for coming on the show mate we look forward to speaking with you soon it's bye for now it folks if you want to connect with today's guests just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to their website and socials are right there so you won't have to go poking around in google for them now if you like what you heard on today's podcast then i'd like to invite you to check out our exclusive members only content my guests and i go much deeper into the art and science of going all in and in the process we shortcut your path to the success that you desire. Find out more by visiting goallin.com.au forward slash exclusive. Don't forget that you can also get your free copy of my best-selling masterclass as well. All you need to do is to head over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out some more. It's as simple as subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review for this podcast. Once you do that, the details to access the masterclass will be emailed to you. It's worth $149, so head on over to goallin.com forward slash referral to get yours today. Now, if you've got some feedback or a message for the show, you can reach out to me via the Go All In socials, send me an email, or you can use the Ask Me Anything form at goallin.com.au forward slash exclusive. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it, and go all in. I'll see you next time. Better say something that will change my mind. Gotta give me something, cause I'm not blind.